Categories of life. I'm Caleb Woodbridge. I'm PG Bell. And I'm Gwen Williams. Welcome back to the podcast, Gwen. It's nice to have you on one of the commentaries. Nice to be back. Um, we've, we've got a new American cast member. <laughs> I like Torchwood. <laughs> so, what would you say as an American, your perspective on torture it is surreal at the moment i would have to say because it's um i guess on behalf of all americans living in wales it's hysterical <laughs> but it also takes place it the first couple episodes took place in dc near where i live so that was kind of surreal as well but i think it's been quite good i think um mm-hmm. i don't know from my perspective at least in the states so i would i would say surreal just from both of those perspectives mm-hmm. but yeah how how have you found the the first five episodes then you've been enjoying it yeah i, I quite have um after getting over the, the initial shock of it being some sort of strange metaphor for my life um i think they did the u.s part quite well because i was afraid there'd be some pandering um issues um and just trying to understand how they're going to shoot the thing in two different countries was kind of concerning but it seems to be done quite well and quite tastefully and it still has that kind of quirky um nature that torchwood you know had in the past and hasn't been completely eaten by you know the corporations in america which is nice yeah good good do you think it helps that it's on stars which is a cable subscription channel as opposed (laughs) to one of the main networks um I don't think it would ever be on a main network, to be quite frank. Um, culturally, could you could you explain just what the difference is between stars, yeah, or between the cable networks and the main TV yeah. networks in the states? Because we don't really have yeah, the same system. Really in the yeah, UK. yeah, it's, it's quite different. I, um, I was talking about that before, but um, there are, I guess you could say, three different levels of TV in the United States. There are the general cable networks, which I think are five channels that you get. Um, you know, if you put up your um, antenna outside your house you can get like five channels um that if you pay you have you get like i don't know maybe like 50 and then stars is a part of that um, right. package but then you can you pay also for like things like hbo which is what dexter and the tutors and uh, true blood and things like that are on so that's actually like another level of payment um so stars is kind of that in between um and i think it's I think it's on 13 or 14, channel 13 or 14 in the States, so it's quite around the major networks, but it's not one of them. Okay. But, um, yeah, it's, it's known for doing kind of, I don't, I wouldn't say low-budget, medium-budget kind mm. of productions. Right, because I, I think it's, series it, it's, it's known series. over here, especially in the build that's a torture, as the network that did uh, a Spartacus Blood and Sand, which was oh, yeah. infamous for its sex and violence. And Camelot. Which... Are they did Camelot as well? Yes. Did they? Oh, which was um, show run by Chris Chibnall, who was showrunner of the first two series of Torchwood, of course. Yeah. Uh, no longer, as in no longer Camelot is no longer running because they, they've axed that fairly quickly, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, it's been kind of a schizophrenic channel, I have to say, in general. Yeah, and they've just uh, agreed to. Uh, co-produce a hundred more hours of programming with BBC Worldwide. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, yeah. So it'd be interesting to see what they do next, although apparently some stars executive was saying that Tortured isn't high priority for them <laughs> unless Russell T. Davies right. wants to do it. Okay. Yes, now we were talking briefly about the future of Tortured mm. in the US last week, weren't we? And it mm, looks surprisingly tepid, considering the ratings that they've been getting. Yeah. We'll see. Okay, so uh, we're into episode five, and uh, we'll start the commentary in a moment, but just a few initial thoughts and impressions. Stuff is finally happening. Yeah. Stuff is finally happening (laughs) to the main characters. They are actually playing an active part in the main plot, which is fantastic. Um, And I'm I'm assuming, by the way, if you're you're listening to this, that you've already seen the episode, and if you haven't, (laughs) spoiler alert... Killing off Dr. Juarez was an incredibly gutsy move. Mm. Yeah. I do worry that they might have shot themselves in the foot at the same time because they have just killed off this single most interesting character. Yeah, that was kind of concerning. Yeah. yeah. And 
I'm hoping um, things will get more interesting overall to sort of balance that out and perhaps who knows you might actually get some uh, something to make Esther interesting. No. <laughs> <laughs> or is that, a, is, is that a leap too far? They, they seem to have dropped that backstory with her family and her sister and the, the children already. That's mm. been forgotten. She's, you know, nice and chirpy and upbeat and still innocent. Yeah, I thought there was something going to happen with her family in this episode, at least to keep it, mm. keep the storyline fresh in the memory. And it didn't really... It wasn't, wasn't mentioned once. I yeah, not at all. Yeah, and both the the soulless and dead is dead. I think, actually, we do glimpse a dead is dead t-shirt or poster at some point. Yes. Yeah. But they, they yeah. seem to have been largely sidelined. Yeah, well, if you think about it, you have, what, the, the, the soulless, dead is dead, and mm. another, well, 45 Club, which we find out about later. Yeah. So now there's, there's all these different subgroups forming, which is rather difficult to keep track of mm. so i've been having problems with that because i just i just want like one oppositional party or <laughs> one kind of subgroup to keep track of that's american politics I for you so. you can only have two uh, two opposing <laughs> parties anything beyond that's too complicated to keep track of you want to call a coalition like us because that's working really well (laughs) and I mean it is interesting at just the point when uh, civilization begins to uh, collapse in Torchwood we've got all these riots happening um, (laughs) uh, here in uh, although although civilization despite the fact that it's collapsing seems to be collapsing in a terribly organised fashion we've gone from and I I know there's supposed to have been a you know, an intergalactic international conspiracy behind the whole thing. But we've gone from miracle to concentration camps in the space of less than two weeks, which is remarkably efficient. Mm. That's the most efficient thing government's ever done in the United States, at least. Um, yeah, it's been quite bizarre. Mm. Yeah. That, that was the big disappointment of the episode for me, and we'll, I'll get into it in yeah. more detail as we go on. Mm. But the big revelation this week appears to be that the things we all assumed were concentration camps are, in fact concentration camps which didn't advance the plot a whole lot but mm. there we are uh, let's let's start the episode and we'll mm. discuss these things as we uh, go along so if you're listening along at home press play now so here we are and it's the not Quite as alarming as it could be, population uh, thing. Yes, it's, 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 keeping track of it's it still actually behind real life figures. That's <laughs> actually the same um, CNN thing that they have in the states. Uh, I couldn't help thinking, watching this recap, that it's it's a far more efficient way of telling. A story that took them oh, it's taken them about an episode and a half over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I think we've got absolutely that. everything that we, we need to know that. in this, <laughs> and nothing more. They, they could have boiled the whole thing down to about three minutes. Yeah, I do think that, um, although perhaps in terms of uh, time, internal time of the story, it's happened a bit quickly. Mm. In terms mm. of showing us what's happening, They've dragged it out a bit. Um, but I guess one of the difficulties is to keep up the sense of drama that they're being chased and stuff, mm. which seems to have they're been not. largely forgotten anyway. Yeah. Uh, it would have been better if there was more of a time span going mm. on, if this mm. was a sort of month or uh, Yeah, I have no idea what the time span is anymore, quite frankly. <laughs> well, it's, there seems to be quite some time between Dr. Juarez attending the last panel meeting and then turning up yeah, at the right City now. Hall here, mm-hmm. because yeah. she's walked in and all the panels have reached their conclusions and submitted their reports, and this has all gone through to Congress, and she's... Government's so efficient, right? and But she's not <laughs> been notified of any of it, it seems to have happened... Yeah, I don't know why she wouldn't have done ...quickly overnight. I wonder if we're going to find out about that, if she was... Maybe. We'll see. Mm. Mm. And we're we're two minutes in and we're already making and receiving personal phone calls again. (laughs) These are probably the worst undercover agents ever. Yeah. (laughs) 
in the, in the way Gwen all. just um, pops back over to the UK. No time at all. Um, yes, yeah. But just, by the end of this episode, she's given up all pretense of trying to be undercover. <laughs> yeah, it's right. like I'm with on uh, Pallister. I'm not Gwen Cooper. Uh, that's uh, that guy there, Mister Cooper. He's my dad. <laughs> so <laughs> you'd, you'd think that if they were looking out for her, they might keep an eye on her, uh, her relatives. Yes. Which is hysterical with Esther as well, because she uses her real name when she actually goes to work for the evil entity that they're trying to uncover. <laughs> mm. It's quite reassuring in some ways to think that we could be better CIA agents than the people That's on this show. <laughs> but then this could be seen as continuing the great torture tradition of not being particularly undercover. That's true. Like having yeah. the most conspicuous vehicle in the whole of Cardiff <laughs> and having the name of your top secret organisation engraved on the side. Yeah. It seems so British, I don't know. Oh, there you go. Yeah, here we are, Cardiff Airport. It's Cardiff Airport, doubling for Cardiff Airport for once. <laughs> they make some pretense at her using an assumed identity. But I want to know where she got this false passport, because she was carried over to the United right. States with just what she had in her pockets. That's true. So they've obviously picked this up at some point in the US. I don't know, I just kind of presume that some sort of Torchwood thing is going on there as well, that they're working the system, even though yeah, they the, the, um, they do mention something about ID software. Oh, so, right. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what Welsh person is named Yvonne anyway. So. <laughs> so this is the second episode written by Jane Espenson. Yeah, that's right. Is she? Because I know that she was executive story producer for her last episode, but has she has she been executive story producer for the whole series? Uh, oh, I don't remember. She's, I know she's co-written the last episode with us. Has days. she? Oh, right. I'd be interested to see that. Because I know she has. She was one of the first people that Rusty Davis brought on board mm. for this series. And that got me uh, quite excited when I heard the news. Swansea, <laughs> it's a whole new part of Wales. I like the fact that her mum is sending her on missions now. Yes, that's quite odd. She was so <laughs> reluctant at first. Yeah. Her character has certainly changed. But then I suppose her husband has been taken into this... Abducted. Yeah, funny, yeah. into this camp. Well, abducted. Sent by her son-in-law, who she obviously <laughs> hates and thinks is useless. He is quite a character. Look, she's more organised than the at the moment. She's got a map with pins in it and bits of string and everything. I, I find it funny that whenever anyone's investigating anything in a TV show, they will always uh, put uh, pin-up notes um, and have bits of string going between them. They don't do anything on Google, do they? No. <laughs> oh. It's got photos of this military base, which I, sus I looks suspiciously similar to the military base that featured in oh, what's the name of the episode of the series two episode Torchwood, written by James Moran, with the undercover oh. aliens that were never mentioned again. Uh, Sleeper. Sleeper. That was it. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that was a good episode. That was a good episode. Which which you know set up a wonderful story that they could have investigated and expanded on later on but was never mentioned again but that's not James Moran's fault right. Gwen's mum has obviously been here and taken photos and we saw a little post-it saying extra bars added here but no apparently if, if you're Gwen Cooper you can just stroll past the queue of people yes and into uh, right up to the counter and for, for, for those international listeners um, get, get, getting through British passport control is one thing Jumping a queue in Britain, that is unopposed, is, that's it, it's, it's against nature, it's against God, it's, it's against the laws of queuing, for one. Look at this. Yeah, uh, Bev, my wife, wasn't entirely convinced, she thought the crowd was being a bit too bullshy that uh, British people would just be queuing up uh, quietly waiting uh, <laughs> for a com to get to the complaints desk. Yes. It yes, seems like it, honestly, when I saw it the first time, I'm like that looks a lot like America, and that does not look like Britain. <laughs> no, I, th I think this was filmed in South Wales. No, no, I meant the crowd. Oh, the crowd, yes. The reaction. Well, well, 
There was oh I, I I can't remember her name for the life of me, but she was in uh, Joss Whedon's Dollhouse. If oh, you've the, seen one, the, that. the main character, the, the British lady who ran the Dollhouse, oh, yeah, the manager. Lovely. I don't know what her name was. Um, but of course, Jane Espenson uh, worked on Dollhouse uh, and wrote some of its best episodes. Mm. But this actress, who's who's in, I heard her interviewed for the Radio Five movie program. She was talking about Peter Pan. Um, and she was saying that whoever was writing a particular episode of Dollhouse, and Joss Whedon wrote comparatively few episodes, Joss would always step in and write her lines because he was the only one who could write lines for a British actress without making it, in her words, sound as though she had a stick up her backside. Um, she always came across as Victorian or like Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. If any of the other writers, including Jane Aspenson, wrote uh-huh. for her. So in terms of dialogue, she seems to be doing fairly well. But yeah, perhaps in the broader cultural strokes, she's... Uh, Mixing a little bit. Yeah, she's drawing on what she knows, which is yeah. fine. Because goodness knows that Doctor Who paints in very broad strokes when it tries to deal with international subjects. <laughs> uh, but yes, no, those people would have eviscerated her for jumping that queue. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and just just as a teaser for uh, next week, we do uh, see uh, go a bit more international, but uh, not entirely convincingly. <laughs> so we'll discuss that next next time. International in the oh, Hollywood backlot sense of an international film. There is not enough smog for that to be Venice. <laughs> <laughs> no. As far as I'm aware, this is the first time since the opening episode that Jack and Esther have had a scene together. Just alone, the two of them talking. Mm. Yeah, seems a little contrived, mm. honestly. The entire, that oh. entire sequence with her... Um, you guys see the people with the masks in the background? I didn't notice that Oh, before. right, no, I didn't. Oh, so they are still around then? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> On the okay. beach. <laughs> That's it. So it's, it's nice to know that even though you're, you've lost your soul and you all hope is gone, yeah, you can sit and... Enjoy a nice sunset or sunrise. That's hysterical. Really bad for your tan lines. Esther's just too well dressed for someone who's on the run. Yeah, where'd you get that from? Nobody seems to be chasing them anymore. This is the problem. Mm. I know we had the comedy yeah. hitman last week. Um, <laughs> that was pretty. She was observing as much as pursuing them, but. Yeah. Yeah. They're it, like in like the mainstream now, just hanging out. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get at all the sense that they're on the run and that dark forces are pursuing them. No. What do you think of the whole miracle rally? It seemed a bit of a odd idea to me. Uh, they weren't. I'm entirely clear about what it was supposed to achieve. I know there's talk about fundraising for this hospital that they'd opened in DC, but yeah, it seems to be more of an excuse to have Oswald Danes on a stage addressing yeah. an awful lot of people again. Mm. I think it's really surreal, like how many people are actually in support of the miracle. I just don't. That doesn't seem as real to me as some of the oppositional characters. I suppose are. as long as long as you're not injured or category one. Yeah. As long as you're actually alive and healthy, you think you've got no reason particularly to. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That doesn't seem as real to me. Like I feel a lot of guilt. Mm. I, I I think just in terms of yeah the reactions of the characters to the thought that they're going uh, to potentially live forever. Um, it doesn't se- It doesn't seem to have really stopped to have people. Reflecting on that or the no. impact psychologically uh, of that. But, I mean, technically, they're in kind of the early stages of understanding what it yeah. is. And if it's America, it'll take a long time. I like the fact that Jack just knows that Torchwood is go, and it appears Torchwood is only go when the projector is switched on. <laughs> Otherwise, Torchwood is not go at all. Yeah, Thunderbird says rockets launching out of a swimming pool. <laughs> yeah. Torchwood has a projector. <laughs> Now, I work in a job that involves setting up an awful lot of audio-visual equipment every day, and I know how difficult it is to get projectors to correspond with laptops and things, so the number of times Tortured would not be going because they had to change a bulb, (laughs) or get the proper driver software installed, or what have you. And uh, doing it at the same time as having a working video conference. Yes. Oh, good grief. 
No Skype people. for them. <laughs> I did like the fact that they were finally addressing the fact that torture is an institution. Mm. <laughs> it's basically now just two people. And I yes. do like the fact that a fist bump is all you need to get into. <laughs> yeah, nice. that is nice. So, so, I've been thinking for a while that Juarez badly needed to be on the team. Mm. I'm sorely disappointed that it's such a short-lived venture. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I could it be Esther in the oven instead. Oh, wow. <laughs> Terrible people. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Need a sassy Hispanic woman yeah. on Torchwood team. They do seem to take an awfully long time to explain the categories, and she goes into terribly um, exhaustive detail for what is basically fairly simple. Tra- no. Traffic light system of categories. Because now they're trying to figure out what does it. Well, like here, they're trying to figure out what it actually means. Mm. And they're trying to establish how the categories don't actually work. Mm. Why did it take the medical panel so long to come up with this? <laughs> right, you're <laughs> medically dead. You're medically dead, should be dead, but dead. still walking around, or you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all well, it is. That's efficient for government. I, I think what works. Um, one of the things that's interesting is that it's got its roots in the system that uh, Perez set up uh, in the hospital. The triage. Mm. Yeah. Invented new triage. Yeah, they were reverse, reversing that. Um, but I think what, what doesn't work so well as with Children of Earth is uh, that you don't get the process. It's all very faceless. Mm. And uh, if um, Harris had been the one in the room when they were actually uh, talking themselves round to the point yes. uh, where yeah. they did um, the uh, where they were setting up these camps and uh, deciding to build these ovens, I mean there would be the danger of retreading Children of Earth a little mm. too closely, mm. but it would. Uh, potentially have a lot more impact. Sorry, go on. Oh, no, it's okay. It, isn't it kind of like um, also reaffirming this kind of, you know, subtle evil organization? You know, mm. no one knows where these orders are coming from as well. Mm. Yeah. You know, we, there's so many panels, you know, no one's responsible for this ultimate decision. Yeah. So, she does, it's but, like, it's like genocide by committee, isn't yeah, it? Exactly. No, no one person is actually responsible. But as Swithin was saying in one of our earlier commentaries, those scenes from Children of Earth in the Cabinet Office were tortured very much mm. in the background, and you've got Nicholas Briggs and these other characters just debating and talking about units and how best to set it up and the fact that they shouldn't be doing it at mm-hmm. all, but yeah. finding these little moral loopholes that they can exploit. Uh, that uh, the, the equivalent scene in Congress, maybe, or on the medical panels, or what have you, would have been, uh, even, even if you, it just took five or ten minutes, I think it would have just helped to sell this a little bit more. Yeah. Mm. And there's some interesting ideas thrown out uh, as to what they might be doing uh, with the people in these uh, modules that they might be doing, all these experiments and stuff. And uh, it does seem a bit odd because uh, we, we're still, although we discover the whole, they're, they're burning them, they're destroying them, mm-hmm. we're no closer to discovering uh, by the end of the episode what the miracle is for, or what the purpose no. of it is, what yeah. use this has. It, it didn't help that an awful lot of the hypotheses that the other characters have just come up with about what's happening in these modules are actually more interesting than what's really <laughs> happening. Oh, they're just burning them. Right. As okay. far as we know, yeah. So it could have been alien experiments, it could have been people trying to gestate some new form of super virus, it could have been something really um, exotic and interesting, but no, they're just burning. Well, they're not quite burning them yet, because someone still had to sign the paperwork, mm. apparently, mm. so they may actually be used for something else other than that. <laughs> I, I like I the, just the interplay with them. And that yeah. was hysterical, that yeah, was. Yeah. Jack and... Uh, Rex. Yeah, this little ongoing sort of feud between Jack and Rex is actually one of the nicer um, relationships in the new team. I did, I did feel that Rex's kiss with Juarez earlier on felt a little bit forced, and that's the first time I think. 
excuse mm-hmm. me, the, this series that the relationship between the two of them has just felt as though it's taking place for reasons of plot. Mm. I think it comes back to one of the things I said in some of the other commentaries. Jack works better when he isn't uh, just the leader where he's got a, um, a for- someone who's a bit more of an authority figure to mm. um, um, uh, to play with a sort of a straight guy, as it were, like yes. with mm-hmm. the Doctor and so on. But yeah, it seems a bit odd that he... Uh, stays behind because it's not as if uh, Torchwood before had any qualms about putting uh, people who could die in danger. No, <laughs> no they, they, they didn't. Un- did they actually mention his mortality? As they, um, they did. Um, they she, did. Esther right. did. Okay. Because I, I, I was left with the distinct impression that they just felt like surplus to requirements, yeah. <laughs> and they've got well, everything sorted out by themselves. Someone has to stay with the projector. That's it. That's Torchwood. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I'm still not buying the level of um, the, of popularity that Oswald Danes has. I I think mm. he's really interesting as a character. Yeah. I just find it a bit hard to um, ex- accept that. And yeah. You do get some more stuff here with uh, oh yeah, keeping him distant from the president, uh, the way he gets treated by the uh, other people not letting him share a changing room mm. but it doesn't quite he, he's mm. not as much of a polarising figure uh, as he should be mm. yeah this scene was very <laughs> very reminiscent of some of the um, electoral rallies from the later series of the West Wing but it does suffer from TV crowd syndrome which is where you realise that this this heathing, seething mass of people um, in the background is only actually three rows deep. Yes. <laughs> As indicated by the trash truck that's yeah. <laughs> and, and they've they've got about forty people and they're trying to make it look like a hundred. But that's fine, we can yeah, forget that. We're okay with that. I think it's a mark though of uh how much generally stronger this episode is, um, with the torture team uh actually being directly involved with the miracle and its impact of investigating mm-hmm. it, that um, for the first time uh, it doesn't feel that uh, Oswald and Julie Kitsing is the bit you're always waiting to go back to. Yes, because um, uh, I had um, much more of a sense of because um, those have often been the best bits of the story whereas here it's much more even it's all yeah. working together a lot better. I feel like Oswald's actually like moving forward somewhere instead of just kind of churning. <laughs> this exterior set is quite impressive. Yeah. Just in its location and mm. the scale of it. And the fact that you've got the Humvees and you've got the ambulances all yeah, it's quite patrolling the area. Not the best security in the world though. Mm, Admittedly, no. Dr. Juarez would be able to get in on her credentials, but she has no particular reason to be there, as far yeah. as they're aware. So I don't understand. How did, how did she not get that email, yet was able to pull strings to get into the camp? Mm. <laughs> Is she out of the loop or in, <laughs> in the loop? I don't understand. Although we're assuming that this is the equivalent of the hospital that she was working in in DC, yeah. now, isn't it? So, yeah, perhaps she has more direct links. I thought this scene was quite good with the pigs. So that really is mm. what would happen. Yes. <laughs> At least it wasn't uh, um, coloured triangles, uh, pink ones, or whatever, or uh, stars of David or anything no, like that. Marking no. it on forehead with a. <laughs> Yes, this, ep- <laughs> this episode not the most subtle, but at least it's not that blatant. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I do think that one of the things that's um, uh, you do get quite a lot of uh, fairly well drawn uh, supporting characters. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I like this lady. Yeah. Yeah. Even ones with fairly minor roles and 
Um, the, I mean, we've got oh, what's his name? The camp assistant. Uh, oh, yeah. So the camp camp assistant. <laughs> Now this, it's a part that's very well acted. He oh, does, he yeah. does the very best with the work, with the mm. job he's been given. Mm-hmm. In terms of characterization and the writing, it, yeah, would it have killed them to uh, give him a little more depth? Because he's mm. he's just immediately sexist, immediately racist, slightly <laughs> yeah. creepy. He's yeah the sort of man. It's as, it's as though Jane Espenson were afraid to make the head of a um, a concentration camp likable in any fashion, or to give many new ones. You kind of do feel a little bit like empathy for him because you know it is this impossible situation. But yeah, no, you really can't like him. I, I no. would agree with yeah. that. Yeah, we we're, we're not, they, yeah she does add the line about him having been drafted in from public housing two weeks yeah. ago, um, but that only comes much later on when it's already been made clear that we're supposed to hate him <laughs> completely yeah. Yeah. and have no respect for him. And I think that would have been very interesting if he was simply just a civil servant or someone from a completely unrelated field who'd been dragged in and forced to do this job and was panicking and trying to do the best that he possibly could. I mean, he's not I, evil until that point. Yeah. Mm. Which he kind of, he was just creeper until then. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, Colin Maloney, played by Mark Van. Uh, yeah, he's well played, but it, it isn't the most subtly written mm. of characters. Although I don't think subtlety is something that you can accuse uh, tortured of uh, usually. <laughs> no, no. But again, after Children of Earth, yeah, I had hoped uh, for more along those lines. It's interesting. Um, with the British and American stuff is that you do have it uh, parallel uh, situations but a slightly different effect with the different health systems and the different problems inherent Mm. in in those. Yeah, because they talk about the NHS, you know, collapsing and, Mm. and, you know, my gosh, uh, um, private corporations are going to be running healthcare and I'm like, (laughs) 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 I guess you don't have to go through that in the US at least. (laughs) But yeah, you've you've also got the whole Dunkirk spirit British thing of just uh, keeping on stoically when when you're facing disaster but that actually becoming a bad thing because people are just keeping on stoically uh, when they're wheeling people into uh, furnaces Mm, Um, and yeah Uh, whereas you get the scenes coming up with the American ones it's those without insurance who are ending up oh and the the, um, uh, illegal immigrants as well yeah comment Mm. of which I thought was quite interesting because that, that really plays on a lot of American fears that we have as well. Hmm. Well, real problems that we have as well. It doesn't leave you much doubt about uh, <laughs> where you're supposed to stand on the uh, American healthcare reforms. Does yeah, it? I found that really irritating with some of the political things that they put in with the U.S. with like the Tea Party thing. I thought was really overdrawn. So it's like that really wouldn't happen. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think they care that much. <laughs> Uh, the last time that Jane Espenson wrote an episode, uh, there was something I'd meant to say and didn't get uh, a chance to, and that's the fact that Torture has effectively come full circle by having her on the writing team, uh, because, because as if, you, if you're a regular listener, and of course if you're a sci-fi fan, you probably know already, she worked very closely with Joss Whedon on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, wrote an awful lot of episodes for that and a lot of his subsequent series wrote an episode of Firefly and did uh, some Battlestar Galactica. Now when Russell T Davis brought Doctor Who back in 2005 he quoted Joss Whedon and Buffy the Vampire Slayer as a particular influence and an awful lot of fans were drawing parallels especially after that first episode rose um, when Billy Piper goes swinging on that chain and starts kicking autons in the head um, they were saying that it was it, that the um, the Buffy influences were very visible, and Russell T Davis has always been quite upfront about that. Uh, and when the when Torchwood was in development before the first series were aired, when that was in pre-production, he gave the writing staff, including Chris Chibnall, 
um, a collection of DVD box sets because none of them at the time, I don't think, had ever written any sci-fi and weren't particularly familiar with it, but had done TV drama previously. And he gave them box sets of Battlestar Galactica, of I, th I think the X-Files, which we were talking about before we started recording, um, and said that he wanted Torchwood to be similar in tone um, and grittiness yeah. um, to, to those. He said he wanted to have all of these things in Torchwood and more. Uh, so of course Jane Espenson's episodes would have would have been in there. Yeah, that scene we just saw was very X Files esque with that kind of like dark corridor chase. Yeah, no, indeed. <laughs> so uh, Jane Espenson and the shows that she's worked on have always been quite close to Torchwood's heart, in theory, if not in practice. Hmm. Well, he even has an annoying horn. Yeah, I actually know someone with a golf cart that does that, which is really sad. <laughs> I didn't even know golf carts had horns. Only in America. Yeah. You just have little bells that ding. <laughs> oh, look, there's an American flag on it, too. That's cute. <laughs> and he, he mentioned... I did, I did quite like the Hillary Duff line. <laughs> that was yeah. He mentioned earlier on that uh, this guy's job is just to guard the golf cart. When he's <laughs> yeah. Oh, that can't do much for his self-esteem. No wonder he's an accessory to murder by the end of the it's episode. Like the worst army officer ever. <laughs> <laughs> that's Phil Collins and rumours of Phil Collins. Yes. Phil Collins and Hillary Duff. That's, that's, that's another wonderful one. Yeah. See, even even though this guy's the writing of this guy's character's character grated with me, the scenes in which these two appear are never anything less than interesting. Mm. So I, I don't want to paint them more negatively than they really are. Yeah, you're definitely making progress with mm. them. Now he said he had that golf cart specially customised for himself, wasn't it? So was it just having the horn and the American flag fitted, do you think? That's kind of sad. <laughs> Does it have go faster stripes and chrome rims that we've just not seen? I was really expecting a smart car or something, but just a golf cart. Yeah. I was thinking that she could be feeling a little more guilt in terms of having now, played a part in is this, yeah. it seems to be in the hangar is it the same hangar as they used for the military base in Day of the Moon um, or was oh, this that wouldn't surprise we, me because if it was filmed in the UK it probably would but this is the kind of thing they could have filmed in America I guess yeah yeah um, it's very hard although, to tell as it's all of the Welsh cast yeah here I assume it's in South Wales and the interior does seem to match the exterior pretty closely, so it wouldn't surprise me if it were all one big unit. Yeah, maybe when they go outside we can tell better. Yeah. yeah. A couple of seconds. But of course there was um, the hangar that was used in turn left when unit have got the TARDIS oh, yeah. in storage, and that it might be the same hangar as that, I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, as we were mentioning earlier, clearly they've both given up all pretense of being undercover or yeah. being wanted by the police or the British government or the CIA or anybody else. Because they're both just freely wandering around this secure compound. And Reese has got a job. <laughs> yes. With his actual name. But Reese has always been a driver, hasn't he? Yes, yeah, it's, right. it's really Throughout the whole of Torchwood. Um, and he said that he had to leave and get to work earlier on. Well, no, 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 it, it's coming up, isn't it? Yeah, it Later is. on, she sends him, despite the fact that she's undercover in a base that's been, up, that's been set up by, as far as she's aware, some sort of e evil alien influence conspiracy. And the government and the CIA have her on a wanted list. She sends Reese off to work and says, no, 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 you can't stay here yeah. when you've got a job to do as a driver working for these people <laughs> that we're trying to undermine. Yeah, it's kind of surreal. Then she tells everyone that he's her dad. Yeah. Yep. Oh, poor Gwen. <laughs> Dad's having another heart attack. This bloke's... Gwen's dad is one of these jobbing Welsh actors who turns up in absolutely everything. You only have to watch television in Wales for <laughs> a few months before you've, you've exhausted the entire stock of Welsh actors. I swear there was one day I, I was 
I switched over to S4C, which is the Welsh language channel, on three separate occasions during the day, watched three separate programmes with at least three of the same cast members. <laughs> Well, S4C, the Welsh language TV um, station, is having lots of problems at the moment with yes. funding and stuff. and uh, A lack being, of money, a lack of viewers. and uh, Being taken, uh, sort of semi-merged with the BBC. Mm. Yes. And of course the BBC licence fee is under more threat now than it has been previously so they're looking at things to cut so people are worried that S4C might be one of the first things to go but um, again being topical there was a news announcement today in the UK that uh, various cities around Britain will be able to set up regional TV networks a similar system to the United States as I understand and North Wales is one of those regions and Cardiff and Cardiff oh, all right. Cardiff's one of the cities where it's going to be piloted. And here we have uh, one of the modules. Like big porter cabin, really. <laughs> yeah. They were quite well done because I thought they just looked like, I don't know. Like big porter cabins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They do look pretty sturdy, don't they? She's the most fashionably dressed doctor I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand that part, though. Because, I mean, isn't Pycor taking care of everyone? That isn't... Yeah, they no longer, yeah they've made all the painkillers and things yeah. free. No, not free. Uh, freely oh, free available, available, but not free. But yes, no. that's right. <laughs> What's that mean? Just buy the widely okay. You can so, buy you uh, can buy them in any. You can yeah you, you know, can just corner, buy them corner store McDonald's supermarket what have you. Well, how do insurance companies like adjust to this? I don't really. Like, it's not really part of anyone's insurance policy to live mm. forever. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't check that box when I got mine. <laughs> I think uh, they'd probably say that comes under Act of God. Act of God. <laughs> Then you'll have their lawyers furiously trying to disprove God. <laughs> or prove which God is responsible for the miracle. Oh no, no, it's Vishnu. It's not God. <laughs> Turns out Hinduism is correct all along. <laughs> what about Zeus? Zeus wants a yeah, bit of the action. <laughs> Under budget. Yes. Uh, a subtle comment on the uh, financially driven nature of the American health system. Oh, it's not too far removed from the NHS at the moment, no, too, yeah. is it? That's all target based. What, do you, what did you think of um, uh, Dr. Harris's um, speech here? Is it the brightest idea? Uh, to go uh, shouting how she's going to expose them all while in some uh, room somewhere out of sight of anyone else. Oh, see, now that's the shock moment. That's where I woke mm. up and really paid attention. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have stopped taunting him by this point. See, that looks painful. Mm. That looks genuinely yeah. nasty. Just, yeah, I don't know. I guess because she viewed him as such a weak man, which is just yeah. saying, she didn't mm. really expect him to snap like that. I, I, I did feel right up until he shot her, that especially once he'd revealed that he wasn't actually any sort of doctor, or he was, he was just <laughs> a manager from another yeah. field who'd been brought in, uh, almost against his will from the sound of it. Um, I like, did start to feel yeah. that Juarez was being a little harsh on him, especially as she was partially responsible for setting this system up in the first place. Well, we're supposed to view her as like this compassionate and, and kind of fiery person about healthcare, whereas mm. everyone else is being very, very um, cold and clinical about it. I, I, I liked uh, just his fairly pathetic attempt to cover it up, just banging the door, yeah. the yeah. panic. And Isn't it? He's just, become a desperate man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the the army guy has been in several U.S. shows that I know of. He always kind of plays this character as well. The Stooge. The Stooge. But the, the Stooge with the good heart, I think. Now, where is Rex during all this? Because it appears to be the, 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 that set of modules. modules that, right? yeah. The, yeah, there are different sets of modules, but they're all 
individually yeah. contained behind a fence, but he... I would assume he'd be hiding if, like, an authoritarian-looking jeep was coming up. Mm. But, yeah, we don't really know, do we? Now, according to the next time trailer, we're going to be seeing more of both of these guys next week, which is good, because mm -hmm. I was worried that they were just going to be... They're going to fall victim to this episodic plague that seems to have been um, hounding this series. Mm. I th I think, yeah, uh, one of the things that is stronger about th both this episode and the next episode is that, as you'll see next week, there is a better degree of continuity yeah. between ah. them. I think, yeah, there is plus... Uh, Things. This is definitely the point at which things start kicking off and yeah. getting interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I did like the running joke of her coming back with constantly revised drafts. I wonder how she's printing them out. Is was my question. <laughs> and here we have another mysterious. Figure. Yes. Yeah. An off the peg informant. Hmm. He looks a little bit like Captain Awesome from Chuck. He's not. <laughs> he had been. But, uh... So who 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 do you think he is? Is he part of Fikor the family? Well, or? no. She's already fairly seems to be Fikor's premier PR person. So I assume yeah. he's a member of. The families, whoever they may be. Mm -hmm. And they obviously want someone in PR as well. Yep, there you go. Mm. One dead dead. Is dead, dead. T shirt. You don't see any of the soulless in the crowd, do you? No. I guess they're too cool for that. Jack obviously functions better at altitude, something he's not <laughs> been able to do for a long while. <laughs> I almost miss those random shots of him standing on top of buildings in Cardiff very, for no really apparent reason. <laughs> it's like, I'm not even going to stand in the crowd and watch him. I'm, I'm going to uh, this is where he goes him. off to work, Reese. Ah. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a bit odd. He's thinking. Got more important why, why, things. Yeah, why not say, well, you know, I haven't had dinner yet. Shall I put down at Tesco's? Yeah, off you go. Well, she tells them that they that they might need the, the truck stall. Ah, mm. uh, I guess. Not to defend the awkwardness of the scene. <laughs> to be fair, that's Gwen's fault because she kept shouting out when he was having his heart attack. Category yeah. one! Category one! No, Gwen. He's not going to die. It's interesting that despite the thing about orders that the other guy mentions there, already moving people in Wales yeah. to the module. Mm. I wonder if there's something with like the modules as well, if they're supposed to be incinerated at the same time as well, which kind of goes with the morphic field thing, because they're waiting for this mm. imaginary paperwork and they burn those people before the paperwork's signed. Mm, yes. But again, that's more of an act of desperation in this yeah, case yeah. here in San Pedro. Yeah, I was thinking that maybe they're all waiting for them to be okay, mm, yeah. and they're moving all the people there, assuming this is happening at the same time. So he's the video camera. Yeah, Rick's. <laughs> the, these modules aren't especially well hidden, though. I know they've deleted them all from satellite photos, but there's clearly a hill with lots of houses on it in the background of that scene, so you can see them all clearly from residential areas. Mm -hmm. And as we'll see in the Welsh scene at the end of this episode, they've just got enormous great smokestacks with smoke and flames yeah. pouring out of the top of them, which does rather scream. Concentration camp. Yeah. And Jack and Oswald come face to face again. Yeah. And another good scene. Mm. But one that actually does seem to be deliberately advancing the plot as opposed to just introducing the two characters, as was the case last time. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's a really odd kind of, um, I don't know, jack, like the empathy that, that is actually going on because of this concept of not being able to, you know, to die. Mm. I think it's quite interesting, especially if you know Torchwood before mm. and the character of Jack. Yeah, I think it's interesting that they haven't explicitly mentioned that um, uh, Jack killed his grandson at the end of yeah. uh, Children of Earth. Because that does seem to be quite significant in terms of his motivation and his interest in Oswald, but it yeah. hasn't been spelled out. Yeah, or, yeah. Even even the scene before with taking the you know the original children and children of Earth as well, mm. and this yeah. concept of, of killing children is. Mm. I thought that's what they were actually playing on originally, but yeah, I can't imagine any American audience would know that. Well, there was a comment last week when the hitman asked Jack what he gave them so long ago, which mirrors Jack being part of the whole Children of Earth conspiracy right from the beginning when four, five, six arrived to take that first batch of kids. Yeah. So will it turn out to be all Jack's fault again? <laughs> Jack is singly responsible for every great crisis in Torchwood. <laughs> It's that thing that Bill Pullman does with his mouth. It's never quite still. He's always lifting mm. his lips. He's always moving his jaw. His mouth's never it's very entirely good shut. Yeah, it's just unnerving. I think Torch would need a PR person. Yeah, I think great. they need to hire her. Now that Juarez is out of the picture. <laughs> it is, this is then an interesting scene, just not knowing which way Oswald is going to jump. Mm. Is he going yeah. to go with Jack or with Jilly's Jack or Jill? Jack <laughs> and Jill. <laughs> with their uh, version of the script, what's he going to do? Mm. And he does, of course, do his own thing. Yes. Uh, but also, in the end, uh, doing the whole revelation. Mm. Which again is, is reminiscent of a scene at the end of, I think it's end of series, series 6 or halfway through series 7 of the West Wing, uh, where the congressman has got his carefully prepared speech and then sort of get, gets, yeah, gets halfway through the first sentence, then stops and, and carries on with his own thing. I wonder Madlet. if it's actually possible that Jilly might defect. As well. her, her character has been kind of wavering in between. Oh my God, I'm, I'm actually helping out a murderer here. Yeah, and I don't know. She doesn't seem quite as soulless as a as maybe she was made out to be originally. Or even when she's at her downright most opportunistic and nastiest. Yeah, that's when she's at her most funny as well. Yeah. So I'm, I'd be quite happy. I mean, Torchwood has a history of morally dubious characters in its ranks yeah, anyway. Sure, why not? I would be quite happy to have her on board. Yeah, and she knows how Fikar works as well, yeah. which would help advance the plot they were trying to get to the top. She, she, she could be the new Yanto. <laughs> <laughs> instead, instead of Torchwood being, instead of Torchwood having a tourist information office as a front, they just have a PR. Thing instead. <laughs> well, at some point in the past, uh, Torchwood did have uh, someone to design the honeycomb T logo yes, and yeah, to yeah, stamp yeah. it on everything, including <laughs> their um, uh, ear protector things and uh, stuff. So they obviously had a, a brand manager at some point. For <laughs> oh. a lot of downtime. Yeah. <laughs> It was that quiet, quiet um, period back in the 70s, or was it the 80s, when UNIT was sorting everything out? Oh, yeah, that'll be it. Yeah. Oh. See, I, I can see a big finished spin-off in that somewhere. <laughs> it could be like office space, but for Torchwood. <laughs> <laughs> So we've got this whole great leap forward speech here. What do you mm. think? Um, is there evidence that there was a single great leap forward 50,000 years ago or whatever he said it was? 
90 seconds. He's 90 seconds. Yeah. He's he's spitballing at this point. That's fine. People seem to be buying it, so... He just doesn't want to fall on his face in front of all those people. It's true. There's obviously stock footage that they've used of the whole stadium full of people with all their arms raised and things, but they've they've matched it quite well to the individual close-ups and the setup of the stage on set here. Yeah, I was a little worried about that, actually, but it seems to work. I'm just wondering what sort of event they've actually got. I assume it's, it might be some sort of mega church rally or something, because there's an awful lot of people with arms oh, people raised do do and seem to be... We, we do get more excited at ah, look at okay. this than people in Britain do. Although they did have um, actually Billy Graham on in, I think, the second episode, when he, or third episode, when he walked into the diner, which he sounds a lot like here. Billy Graham, he's a big... Um, oh, that was Billy preacher. Graham on the... I think so, yeah. On the one that's huh? Yeah. I, I was wondering if he was, they were kind of modeling him off of that kind of evangelist style. He he did seem a little tele-evangelistic here. Well, he's doing the same hand motions that Billy yeah. Graham does. Maybe this is the future for Oswald Danes. He, uh, he moves to, I don't know, Nebraska or somewhere and opens a megachurch. Could happen. In the whole angels thing. I, I was just mm. having flashbacks to Doctor Who during that, I have to say. <laughs> Press the weeping really angels are behind that. it. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to turn to stone. Oh. See, I, I could understand that if <laughs> it makes sense. Well, it doesn't make sense, obviously. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but no, if, if you are going to take the miracle at face value and people have suddenly stopped dying, and from the public's point of view, there is no Death. conspiracy behind it. It has just happened. Why not? Yeah, we have to be something special now. So. And in true American televangelist form, even great <laughs> s- supernatural interventions and acts of God have corporate logos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really great. Yeah. There you go. I, I really expect him to start healing people during this. <laughs> he, he had his Jesus moment last yeah. week. <laughs> yeah, and meanwhile, <laughs> so frustrated with him during the scene because I really wanted him to figure out where the control panel was. Yeah, rather <laughs> than rather than looking for yeah. the controls, he just oh, I've got a camera. It's ridiculous. I, I'm glad that they showed him crying there. It's a, yeah. that that actually gives him the depth that he's been perhaps lacking thus far. Why can't the other guy hear him though? Because he's obviously right there, either isn't right around the side of the module. Because yeah, because it's it's just there was just one control panel with the number five written on it. So I assume it's That's directly really attached irritating. to. Yeah, because Rex could have itself. run around the corner and like used his eyes and his CIA brain to <laughs> figure out where that is. CIA brain? What CIA brain? <laughs> Does it seem you can't even answer the phone. It's like, it's like the old joke, how do you know that the CIA wasn't behind the Kennedy assassination? Well, he's dead, isn't he? didn't My coach might actually puts it together before. Yeah. Mm. Oh, another thing that does work quite well is just um, with the time difference it does give a, a neat just visual way of differentiating oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wales and um, yes yes I like this comparison scene where they have all these these three different events going on at the same time mm. yeah it does bring it together well I, I, I do think that uh, although there are a few holes in plot logic just dramatically <laughs> It does work. Um, it's got a lot more punch to it than anything we've mm. seen so far. It is a, it is genuinely shocking. Yeah. If he's hoping to get video evidence, though, that's going to be a fairly rubbish bit of footage. <laughs> yeah, because she's actually looking at the smoke too. So there we go. Mm. 
knew that last one. <laughs> yeah. Well, Winston Zedmore from Ghostbusters. Finally, funny. he's on screen again. Oh, that man was so short-changed through those two Ghostbusters films. I, I'm so <laughs> looking forward to watching him. Punch him there, or are you tied to a post? He's tied to a post. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next week does look something. quite grim. Mm. She's using her CIA training. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the, scre Flailing. the screaming and flapping of hands. <laughs> CIA training. <laughs> now, do we know? Can we tell from that clip who that is falling off that building? Oh, you can see so. the next episode. Though. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think that <laughs> definitely marks a uh, definite upswing. Yes, yeah, that that was just as strong on the second viewing as it was on the first. I'm, I'm quite pleased. Oh, that bodes well. <laughs> it finally got there. Yes, yeah. It, it's, ta it's taken its time kicking off, but I think it is the episode where it yeah. it really begins to uh, re regain the sense of momentum that it lost after the first episode. Yeah, yeah. especially the move from DC to California seemed mm. very. The whole time gap was quite strange. I felt. Mm. Yes. No, I was, I was hoping they'd make a little bit more of their yeah disparate locations within the US but yeah. they didn't other than standing on the beach they didn't really seem to do an awful lot with well they did the National California. Archives which was DC I think mm. that's pretty much all that they really showed of DC other than like a fountain yes but, but I suppose they had Langley <laughs> within range and yeah, things like true. that but, uh, but no once they got to California it was and they did seem to be on holiday as much as anything that's else, true yeah I mean Wales they did that beautiful like pan of the, the coast and California just like, yep, this is uh, the beach. <laughs> it's got palm tree. It's nice. <laughs> Nothing really is epic. Yeah. I, I, I guess the um, perhaps uh, criticism you could make uh, of it is that uh, it isn't entirely unexpected that mm. um, yes, we've seen They've got these overflow camps, and surprise, surprise, they turn out to be uh, concentration camps. And with the way it's been set up, uh, oh, um, we've got all these uh, people, and uh, what do we do with all the surplus population? Uh, some kind of uh, concentration camp, burning the bodies type mm. uh, thing. Uh, Just culling the excess numbers. Yeah. Doesn't seem it, it's not it's not a big surprise in terms of uh, it's handled well as a shock, but yeah. conceptually it's not a no. big twist. There's nothing alien about it, as far as we know. No, uh, no except yeah. the the question kind of remains about the whole the like you know the the concept of life continuing. Mm. I mean, is <laughs> are there conscious ash particles flying around as well? Was my question. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is something I'm hoping they'll explore in the next episode, but. Yeah, have to see. yeah, I was really expecting them to do something, you know, either like matrixy, you know, the, the human bodies are being used as batteries or something. Mm. You know, something something should happen with the modules, but unfortunately not. <laughs> now there's just ash. Is, is it worth ash. is it worth raising the question of how this is going to impinge on the new series of Doctor Who or the second half of the current series? Because this is all set. I, uh, there's, I think there's at least one section of it of an episode set in present-day United States, mm. back in Utah. Um, now that the oh. two shows are being managed by separate showrunners and on separate continents, I'd be very surprised if there were any overlap or direct reference. But uh, well, in Utah's no nowhere near Venice in California. No, so <laughs> never. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, apparently Russell T. Davies has slipped in a Sarah Jane Adventures reference. Really? Uh, to, well, into Torchwood? Yes. Um, I suppose to, it wouldn't really work going the other way. Would it? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> well, you did have the mention about uh, groups that go in all guns blazing. Well, uh, yes, that's true. Uh, but, yeah, oh. so, but yeah, yeah uh, so I, I don't know. Um, I, I think they do talk. I mean, uh, Stephen Moffat and Russell T Davies um, uh, and the writers do talk to each other. Mm-hmm. So it's not outside the bounds of possibility that there might be some throwaway reference, but I doubt there'll be much made of it. Yeah, I think the angels thing might be the the closest that we might get, because now we're in the time of angels. Like It was almost the direct wording from mm. that as well, which kind of threw me off. Just kind of concerned about that. But we'll see. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I, I think I think this will be the point at which people will either um, uh, stay with Tortured for the duration, or they'll get annoyed with the unsubtlety of it, throw things at the television, <laughs> and give up in disgust. Yeah. Well, uh, see, it, it, it had reached the point where, had we not been podcasting about it, I would have stopped bothering mm. to watch, um, simply because it wasn't actually getting anywhere in terms of ongoing yeah. plot, but yeah. it's, it's, it's clawed it back at the last minute. Yeah, mm. I think the third and fourth episode was kind of like... Lord. <laughs> <laughs> we brought it back. So yeah, so uh, three thumbs up from us. Yes, yes, definitely. Uh, okay. Well, thank <laughs> you very much for listening. <laughs> That's us done. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. Uh, please let us know what you think uh, via the. Uh, blog and Twitter and Facebook and yeah. and look out for James Willett's review coming later in the week <laughs> and uh, yeah and check out uh, our spoiler free preview of episode uh, 6 which will be up shortly um, so uh, yes uh, thanks for listening bye 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 you've been listening to The Impossible Podcast for more commentaries plus other science fiction and fantasy reviews and discussions, please visit our website, impossiblepodcasts.blogspot.com, or search for us on iTunes. We'd love to hear from you. Please follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, or email us via impossiblepodcasts at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, 